too bad. You can't see my view, Bob. Gary can see my view. My and view is in Newport, Rhode deep. Island. Where, uh, oh, great. Yes, it is. It is nice. It is nice. And you can't, and you can't see my Chelsea t-shirt. I cannot. I cannot. But I can see Gary's hotel room. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Other than this is frustration with my, not only do I have a problem here, but my other podcast, I, you know, I need a kit. That is something wrong. I had to send it back. I can't do that either. So I'm losing, you know, I'm frustrated with both. We'll podcasts. be fine. You'll here be we good are. next week. All right. Let's All right. go. Here we go. Gonna take it. Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome in another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He's Bob Ryan. And uh, once again, I promise you, Bob Ryan, will get these uh, technical difficulties figured out uh, next week. But right now, Bob is coming to us via audio from his home. And I'm in lovely Newport, Rhode Island. And Gary Washburn is stuck in a hotel in Orlando uh, quarantining. Uh, how is life in the quarantine so far, Gary? I know you got to, uh, to Orlando on Sunday. Uh, I assume you're, you're tired of your hotel room already or no? Yeah, it's a little boring. Uh, you, you know, you just figure it out. I mean, uh, they deliver your food, three meals a day. So uh, I don't want to say it's like prison. It's not like let's. I don't want to overblow this. <laughs> uh, complain about the food. There's people suffering. So I'm not going to complain about the conditions. It's I'm fine. Uh, but yeah, to be limited to a certain space. Um, but they run uh, Disney runs uncut a lot of their movies. So I watched Glory Road. I watched Years. Hmm. I watched Remember the Titans again twice. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that, that's been the, the cool part of it. Black Panther was on last night. So, yeah, they run uncut movies uh, on, the, on one of these Disney channels. So that's been, you know, I watch a lot of A&E, a lot of, a lot of First 48 and uh, Cold Case Files. So, yeah, I'm a big uh, mystery detective kind of thing. So, ah. yeah, it's good, too. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, as you said, food, wait, wait, you get you get a choices to order, or you have to get, do it, get no, what they yeah, you. Give what they you get what they give you. They <laughs> send the menu out. The leak sends the menu out, and you just sift through what you want to eat. You can't eat what looks edible, and what doesn't. There's been some really bad, um, you know, uh, entrees that you just take a chance on. <laughs> um, and the breakfast uh, and lunch is generally good. Dinner, you're rolling the dice. Um, <laughs> So you just got to figure it out, which in, in, if you're on some kind of health kick or you're eat, not eating starch or you're not eating, you know, you're on a carbs limit, uh, good luck with that. Because a lot of times it's not uh, to dietary uh, standards here. You're not getting a lot of green, uh, you know, good lean meats and vegetables and, and you're not satisfying that. You're getting mac and cheese and potatoes or uh, things, things, pork, things like that. So you know, you got to figure it out. Um, and they give you a lot of drinks. I've drank a lot of water since I've been here, just constantly drinking water, just trying to stay healthy, not gain any bunch of weight, any more weight, and uh, try to just 
deal with this until uh, I'm able to choose what I can eat when I get out of this quarantine. Let me ask you something. Uh, how much time since he's joined the team um, had you got to spend talking with Brad Wanamaker? And there's a reason why I asked that question. Um, some. I mean, he's kind of a quiet guy. Stays to himself as a lot of bench guys do. So, yeah, but he's a good guy. Good, good yeah, the reason I ask is that he has an interesting uh, observation, I thought, today – uh, in our pages and uh, the globe, and it is that um, having spent so much time in uh, in uh, playing basketball around the globe as an expatriate American, he's quite used to spending his off hours trying to amuse himself uh, in solitude. You know, and and that includes hotel rooms. And so he uh, said it's a, uh, it's you know, it's he's it's for him it's not as perhaps as difficult to uh, adjust to as it might be for some. Doesn't sound good, Bob. Uh, that, uh, you know, amuse yourself in solitude doesn't really sound, uh, I, I don't know if he, what he was talking about there. I'm being funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you just have to find, read books. I mean, I, I have a huge book on the, on, on Martin Luther King that I'm digging into that, that I have promised friends that I was actually going to, I've taken on the road for years and I've <laughs> it's a 700 page book. So yep. I'm like, I might as well just try to finish this thing. Yeah, um, time to do it. Yeah, you just do, you know, it was like being quarantined before. You do projects, you figure it out. And, and I think that these guys will learn a lot about themselves um, and each other during this time. I don't think, I think it's unfortunate that these players can't be with their families, especially the ones with younger kids who don't understand that daddy's leaving uh, for three months. And uh, where is he? And that type of thing, like a, like a Jason Tatum, who's, son is like two and a half so he's a little too young to realize what's going on um and Gordon Hayward has also has young kids so I think it's a little difficult for them uh to figure this out and it's, it's something they don't want but they understand that it's something that everybody right now is making sacrifices um everybody is trying to make this work um so there's no one who is just living large and doing well and doing I mean everyone is either some of the coaches who are of a who are in their sixties are risking um, being getting sick here. Uh, you know, there's somebody. Everybody's making a sacrifice here. Reporters, workers. I mean, I'm. I mean, there's people. You know, going by my hotel room, picking up trash. I mean, that's a, a that's a thankless job with masks on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a lot, you know. And I think we're all doing this because we love the game. We want to see this thing go on. Um, and at this, and maybe hopefully in the long run, it'll be worth it. Listen, I, I have minimal optimism when it comes to college sports going off smoothly. And, and, and honestly, I don't think there's going to be a college football or a college basketball season, not a complete one or anything close to it. Maybe they'll start up. Um, but I have optimism that there's going to be an NBA season. And, and I have it partially, Gary, because I just watched the TBT with, with our own Jonathan Mugar pull this thing off in Columbus, Ohio. And a couple of teams obviously were booted out at the beginning and they had some backup teams, but they were able to have a championship and get through this thing and whatever it was, a little less than two weeks uh, with the Marquette team uh, winning it all. So I, I feel like there's optimism that the NBA is going to be able to pull it off. I don't know about the NFL. I think we're still down the road with them. But how, how high is your level of optimism right now? And I know you haven't really been out and about in, in Disney and they haven't started any games and you haven't been to practices, but what's your level of optimism right now that there'll be, they'll be able to go from, from start to finish? 
pretty high because one, they started testing early. So they were able to get all the initial shock of, I, I think like any, like the rest of society, there are going to be players who tested positive. I mean, most recently Russell Westbrook, but there are going to be players who got this virus. A lot of people are getting it. 3.5 million people have this virus. So um, I think the, getting the initial early tests about a month ago, like, Let's get the test, okay? Let's get this out of the way. Let's get everybody tested and figure out where we're at. And the good thing for the NBA that it wasn't like, you know, 36% of the players, it was, it was, it was seven or whatever. And, and now it's down to five and of uh, the 320-something, two tested positive uh, since they've been here. So I think getting the tests early um, and out of the way, quarantining, and then just the, the, the measures they've taken makes me feel like this can work. And the TVT, I think, set a great example for the NBA in many ways, how to decorate the floor so it doesn't look like you're not playing with the backdrop of empty stands. So you put the posters up. Um, and the players were able to celebrate, slap hands, talk to the officials. Like, it's, it seemed like this is going to be – it's going to be different. It's going to be Ross Crowell, going to be hands with someone in the front after a dunk, it's just not going to work out that way. It's going to be piped in, it's going to be background, it's going to be certain things that we're going to have to get used to. So uh, I would, for the fans, don't judge it quickly, just take time, get used to it. But I have full confidence that as long as you test every day, which is illegal, I'm testing every day, everybody's testing every day. And the minute that I think, Jeff, like you, if someone is negative on Tuesday and catches the virus on Tuesday night, and then they get tested Wednesday, they're out, like, you know, they, they quarantine, like, the everyday testing, I think, is important. I think people will, were asking me, well, why did I just test twice a week? That's good. And even medical people, well, you don't need to test every day. They want to know, if someone gets this, wherever it's from, you're, you get the quarantine right away, get this in the bud. And I think that's what will help, uh, you know, continue this season and, and finish it. For the college season's, Especially football, I don't know what to say about football. Basketball, I think you you might not have many fans, or you can maybe spread them out. Um, you know, I think you can pull off. I, I'm not sure the, what, what the real challenges of basketball besides the traveling. Okay, testing. still uh, testing, Gary. You yeah, know, to me, it's you can. You just, know, yeah, yeah. yeah, you got. I mean, I don't know. You know, we're not even talking about Division Two, Three, and NAIA, but you've got what ten thousand college basketball players out there, men's, and I'm not even counting the women, so let's say let's go 20, right, of D1, D2, D3, NAIA, men's and women's teams, coaches, staffs, all of that, all have to get tested. The NCAA is going to have to fork over some of that bowl game. They won't do it. And they won't do it. Yeah, exactly. Fork over some of those millions they get from the – college championship games and before testing so all these players can be tested consistently so they can get out on the floor and the Indians make more money. I mean, let's face it, Jeff, the NBA is trying to avoid more losses, okay? Right. They've already lost a ton of money. But you cancel the season, you lose $3 billion. You play the season, you lose $1 billion. Well, what, you, what are you going to do, right? You're going you're to reduce your losses, and that's what the NCAA has got to figure out. I mean, they lost – how much money from canceling the tournament and all spring sports. And now you're talking about football, their biggest cash cow. They got to figure something out. So, um, you know, but I think I have full confidence in the NBA because they started this thing right. They took some time. 
collaborated with Commissioner Silver, doctors, the league, the Play Association, all through March and April when they were really quiet. People were like, what are you going to do? And they were still trying to figure it out. And I think they did figure it out. And people feel confident about the leadership too, don't you think, Gar? As opposed yeah, I mean, to Silver sports. Silver is kind of the most trusted commissioner. I mean, let's be honest, there isn't a whole lot of great competition with Goodell <laughs> and Manfred. I mean, you know, you're talking about Mo Larry and Curly there, but um, you know, you know, so yeah, Silver is your kind of the gold standard of commissioners. People and people are looking at the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL right now and saying, okay, how are they pulling this off? Um, how are they getting the, you know, the, the difference is the bubble. You can't play NFL in a bubble. Uh, Major League Baseball, they decided not to do the bubble thing. So that, that's the biggest difference. But I do think, yeah, other leagues are looking at the NBA as an example. The Nets, just weird, you know, the, 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 between the defections and the uh, tests, the, the Nets, are, it's just, they're astonishing depleted at the moment. Yeah, um, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, now Michael Beasley gets it after they sign him. First thing he does is test positive. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fun, the only good thing is they were able to sign Jamal Crawford and bring him back. He's a pleasure, Mm -hmm. one of the good guys in the league, so it's going to be fun to watch him play for however long they're in. Um, Yeah, this is one of the things. I know the Dallas soccer team had to pull out of this MLS's back tournament for somewhat the same reason. But I just think it's a really bad circumstance. And, and let's be honest, I mean, the Nets aren't trying to – the Nets are like – they can take it or leave it this season. They're focused toward next season. When Durant's back, when Kyrie's back, like new coach. So, I mean, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do this uh, – we'll do this re, redo thing. We'll, 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 throw, we'll fill the team. We'll see what happens, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll throw some guys out there who want to play hard. I mean, that's what the Nets are – the Nets are knowing – that if they even if they get to the playoffs, okay, in Washington would could have caught them, but then they decide to hold back Bradley Beal, so they're playing shorthanded. So the Nets, the Nets are, are going to get crushed by the Bucks in the first round. So the Nets are just trying to figure this out, play it out, and uh, get ready for next season. Here's a, a non-COVID related NBA topic that interests me at least: the Knicks coaching uh, situation. Uh, Leon Rose has spent over a month interviewing people, re-interviewing people, uh, when most people feel that it, it's going to go to Tom Thibodeau regardless. Although yesterday's post had a uh, story uh, saying that Jason Kidd made an extremely impressive presentation. Uh, but, you know, just, just what's your observation on the Nets coaching quest? Oh, the Nets? Um, Knicks, I said. Knicks. Yeah, like, uh, man, um, the Knicks are a mess. And they, they're going to have – once again, they're going to have cap space soon, right? Like they messed up. They missed out on Kyrie and Durant uh, a summer ago. They signed all those short-term contracts. They were able to trade Marcus Morris away. Um, a lot of these guys, the Julius Randles, are all coming up uh, for, for free agency soon, or they sign these one-year deals. So the Knicks are going to have money. So you've got to make the Knicks attractive. These Younger players don't care about the Walt Frazier, uh, Earl Monroe. They don't care about that. Like they, that was cool. Walt Frazier is still cool. It was. It's fun to watch those old tapes. It's fun to watch the uh, Willis, Willis Reed walk out in, in the '70 uh, finals. They don't care about that. They don't care about 
the last dance Knicks team. They don't care about the New York Knicks. I think that the Knicks have gotten enamored with like, we're the Knicks. And, and everyone else is like, who cares? It's new teams here, right? It's the, it's the Warriors. I mean, Bob, you've been around this twice a lot longer than both of us combined. Who would have thought the Golden State Warriors would have been the premier team of a decade? We, that would have, if you would have told me that in 90, 2005, we all, would have made, we all would have been billionaires in Vegas. That they, yeah. would, they would have won three titles in five years. The, two, like, the, the Warriors were, were the most overlooked franchise in professional sports. Now, the Warriors are the premier franchise, even though they're struggling this year. New arena, great players, all that. No one cares about the Knicks, and no one cares about the Garden like they did in the 90s, and the 80s, and the 70s. So the Knicks have to have a front man, a man to sell this franchise. Is it Tom Thibodeau? Tom's going to try his best. Tom is a good guy, but he grades on his players. I remember covering the Rio Olympics, and I was literally, they sat us in uh, between the first and second loads. We were not on the court. And during the games, you could, and he wasn't the head coach. Remember, it was Coach K. You could hear Thibodeau's voice where I was sitting. Like, you could hear Thibodeau's voice. It's a voice, too. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, like, I need a Lawson's voice, right? So you could hear his voice from where we were sitting. And this was the Olympics. <laughs> they were fans. And I just kind of cringe at a 21-year-old looking at him like, what? What did you just tell me to do? Like, you, you, and I love Tibbs as a coach. And I think in the previous generations, it would work. I don't know if New York's the right place for Tibbs. I know he wants to coach again. I think he's a good coach. I think he grades on the young players. I think it didn't work out in Chicago and Minnesota. And Minnesota was not all his fault. I mean, let's face it, Andrew Wiggins didn't exactly go all out. Pounds is a guy who, I mean, um, God bless him considering his situation with his mother and COVID. So, but, you know, he's he's not proving to be that, you know, gunner, gung-ho franchise guy that I think the Timberwolves thought he would be. I mean, they've had some bad luck because you get two number one overall picks and it doesn't work out. So I don't know if, how much of his fault was Minnesota, but I don't know if Tibbs is the guy that can sell. They need a guy to sell the franchise to say, come back here, guys. This place is cool again. Because that's what these got, these young players, the ones who were born in 1996 and 90, like they were not they, – they don't remember John Starks going three, three for 20. They don't remember the last time the Knicks were good. They don't. The Knicks to them is Carmelo and, and Stoudemire and now and a bunch of bad teams. That's the Knicks. That's what they remember. So I don't know if Tibbs is the guy to sell that franchise. I would think like a Doc Rivers or someone like that, but it would take a boatload. Ty Lue. Of- what huh? about a Ty Lue? I yeah. mean, a Ty Lue is a guy that to me – yeah. What do you want more than anything, Gary? You want to attract free agents. So, and I hear you 100%. Because other than Jimmy Butler, who loved playing for tips? Not many guys, right? Yeah. Young guys don't want to play for a guy like that. They want to play for a player's coach. They want to play for a guy that honestly is not going to want to spend all day in the film room. Period. So, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. There's no shortage of action going on in our exclusive partner, Bet Online. 
Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Uh, Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Listen, I, I got one for you. So I'm in Newport, Rhode Island. The last time I was here was September 26, 2017. For I was working at ESPN. They had me for the Celtics training camp. It was the, you know, bring in Kyrie era. Everything was going to be great. Um, and, and that day, as you know, was a, a cluster, you know, what of a day. I, I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go down and do a sports center hit from Salve Regina and all hell breaks loose in college basketball and all the arrests are made, the federal investigation and uh, ESPN wanted me on the air like 10 minutes later. I'm like, no, 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 I can't go on the air. Like I need to read over all this, whatever. But anyway, um, my point is there was so much optimism that day about Kyrie with the Celtics. It was a train wreck. Bob and I have done this over and over and we agree uh, on Kyrie. I want to get your thoughts being around Kyrie as much as you were for those couple of years. What do you make of Kyrie the person? I don't care. Kyrie the player, we all know. We all know his talent. Kyrie the person, what do you make of him after spending a couple of years around him as much as you did? I was not um, – I had no issue covering Kyrie. Um, I thought he was a good guy. I, I, my problem with my, – it's not a problem – my assessment of Kyrie is that um, I'm not sure if he knows what makes him makes him happy. And some guys, it's the life, right? Um, they get into the NBA, they make millions of dollars, they can buy whatever they want, they can have uh, whatever they want in life, whatever woman, whatever house, they enjoy the life, right? That, that's what makes them happy, the, the, the wealth. Others, it's the game. It's the damn playing out there, competing, the Russell Westbrook kind of guys, the guys who, yeah, they like the money, but it's the game. Um, some, it's both. Some, it's, it's the, it's Give me the both. lifestyle. And, yeah, they like, they like it all, okay? And that gets them going every morning. They're motivated to, to, to make more money. And also to go and win the next day and cut the guy's throat, throat, right, your opponent. Kyrie, I don't think either of those gets him going. I think he loves the game, but I think he feels like there's a bigger calling for him, and he doesn't quite know what that is. And I think there's a general confusion inside of him and a frustration of what makes me happy. And I think that spreads to his attitude, to other people, to some of the things that he says, and that gives him various personalities. And I think that in Boston, he showed, I was told before he got there by somebody who knows him, that there's five different Kyries. And we saw in Boston all five. And there was happy Kyrie, reflective Kyrie, don't talk to me Kyrie. Um, these young guys, boy, I don't know what the, you know, the, the, the old guy, get off my lawn, Kyrie. Like, there was so many different Kyries that I think it wore on his teammates. 
And I don't think he's trying to be that way. I just think that's who he is. That happiness is not something that he feels every day. I think he knows he's blessed. I think he knows he's talented. I've seen the guy work. The guy is a worker. The skill set, I mean, just to watch him before the game, literally just practice bank shots with all those floaters. Oh, how does he do that? Work, practice. Like every day before the game, three hours, just float, floaters off the glass. How come he used the glass so well? Because he practices each hand. I mean, we just marvel at his work ethic, at his skill set. To me, you know, he's a, he's a magician on the, on the floor. I just don't know if happiness, I don't know, think he's happy as a, as a, as a inner peace. And I think that reflects. So if you, Jeff and Bobby remember, okay, so it was, I'm losing in Cleveland, I want to win. They bring LeBron. Well, we're winning, but I want to be the number one guy. I don't like this anymore. So he leaves. Boston's a place for me. I want to play for Brad. My dad played at BU. This is great. This is, then he gets to Boston. I don't know about this place. Now I'm going home. I want to play for the Nets. So let's see if this works. Okay, because Never be happy. Yeah, this, I'm with you. I don't think I'm, he's ever happy, Gary. I'm no, this is the third stop, right? And this is the third stop because there was, you know, there was something he told us that when they won the title in Golden State that night, and they all, remember, they stopped in Vegas for like 10 hours or 12 hours to party before they went back to Cleveland. He said Kyrie was as happy as a lark. Oh, we're going to Vegas, no media, nothing. I can go happy, got home. And then a few months later or whatever, he was in Boston and was like, well, you know, when we won the title, I wasn't really even happy about it. I wasn't, I, I didn't even feel it. I just wanted to go home to my family. And then someone who was like, wait a minute, this dude was the first one to, sh- to want to go to Vegas and part, like, what is, what is he talking about? And so I think his happiness is fleeting. His personality kind of goes all over the place. I think he has good intentions. Oh, he's a bad guy. I've covered some bad guys, right? Uh, he's not, he's a, not bad a bad guy. guy. No, he yeah. is, Kyrie is not a bad guy. You're right. He, he's, he's moody. That was the word I always got from him, from other people yeah. around him in Cleveland and even back at Duke is moody, moody, moody. And you saw that. Like, it's hard when you never know what to expect as a teammate. And, and I think that was the hardest thing for that locker room is not knowing. All right, we got happy Kyrie. Happy Kyrie is awesome. But then the next day, you know, you, you don't know. You're walking around like, you know, stepping on eggshells in the locker room because you don't know which Kyrie you're going to get. Guys, I, I love Gary. Your summation is wonderful. It makes me feel very good because you, you speak from the standpoint of somebody who actually interacted with him. I have never interacted with him. I've only uh, done so from afar. But I've said three things about him uh, that you have confirmed for me. Well, two of them you confirm. One, I'm, I'm not going to uh, put words in your mouth. A, he's not as smart as he thinks he is. B, he's searching for something and doesn't know what it is, which you have completely uh, articulated perfectly. And my, the third one is mine, which is this will not be his last stop. And everywhere that he goes, people are left saying, we couldn't figure that guy out. Yeah. And I think that fits in with what you were saying. And it's an extraordinary, it's a, it's a, a fascinating psychological study. Uh, 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 the guy, and boy, the talent thing, you know, who finishes as well at his size and the history? Well, the, we had two of them in a row because Isaiah Thomas finishes at his size as well as anyone I've ever seen in my life. And he finishes at his size, which is a few inches taller, as well as anyone I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he has an extraordinary talent. There was no question. Yeah, I, I, I said, I 
learned to get along with Kyrie. I didn't have an issue with him. I wasn't good riddance. I definitely don't think everything in that um, 18, 19 season was all his fault. Like every, he got, he took a lot of the blame and he should have taken, taken some of the blame for that implosion, that team just giving up in the Milwaukee series. Um, and I think by the Milwaukee series, Kyrie had pretty much mailed it in, unfortunately, uh, for him and the Celtics. But there was a lot of factors that led to that um, uh implosion, including Brad Stevens being kind of clueless as to what was going on in this locker room and then taking too long to figure it out. Um, guys want more minutes. The, the previous season, the playoff run, Gordon Hayward coming back and not be like, there's a lot that happened. So He's non-confrontational though, right, yeah. Gary? Isn't that part of the problem with Brad is he's very non-confrontational. Yeah, he, he doesn't he, and, and right? I've always – admired Brad for being the coach that lets his players police themselves. Yeah. And what the younger these guys get, the more you've got to be Paul Pilot <laughs> yes. sometimes, right? You've got to put yeah. your hands on some of these guys. I'm not talking about physically, but on their shoulders and go, guys, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And Brad would just walk to the locker room to go to the other room to get something to eat. He would let the players police themselves. And he thought, hey, I got Marcus Morris in this team. I got Horford. I got leaders. But, smart. but the dynamic just was never good. The Jalen and Kyrie dynamic started bad from the went bad from the start. Uh, all of these things, and Brad kind of turned his back until maybe February or or January when it was already too far gone. Too late. Yeah. All right, guys, let's let's cut to the chase. Uh, Gary, uh, you have acquired fame in in some eyes and infamy in other eyes, and you are going to be forever linked with Paul Pierce. How, how, how has life been for you? How much direct, uh, you know, confrontation, now, you know, re- feedback have you gotten since we had that fun little draft? You have to explain this, Bob. You, you have to set it okay, up. With people for in America, the Boston Globe, uh, Adam Hill, Himmelsbach uh, of the Globe, come up with an idea uh, that we would get together five people who have had an association covering the Celtics, uh, starting with myself, my time here goes back to 1969, and that we would have a fantasy draft of all among the all-time Celtic rosters uh, back to 1946. The only stipulation being you had to spend at least one full season with the team. So no Pistol Pete Maravich, no Shaq, uh, if you were so inclined. And we had a draft, and they had a fantasy draft, and we had a lottery to go with the order. Uh, and Gary had the first pick uh, by that lottery, and Gary chose to the surprise of many people, Paul Pierce. So you're on a defensive stand now, Gary Washburn. I know. So uh, tell us about what went through your mind. Well, it's a, what is a fantasy draft? Okay. Um, it's not an all time great player draft. That's Russell. It's not a championships draft. That's Russell. It's not a human uh, rights draft. That's Russell. It's not a the best Celtic of all time draft. That's Russell. It's a fantasy draft. You're putting up numbers. You want the team, like I, I told Dan, your, your cohort, Dan Shaughnessy, this. If you have a fancy football draft, you'd be dumb to take Tom Brady as your first quarterback. Nobody does. Even though he's the best winner in sports, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the seventh, sixth quarterback taken in because he doesn't put up the eye-popping numbers. It's a fantasy draft. Pierce, second all-time leading scorer, all-time Celtic three-point leader, seventh the rebounds. 
I put up the player who's going to put up the most numbers, who has a transcendent game, who would have been able to play in the 50s, 60s, and 70s because of his size, his girth, his mid-range game. It's not the greatest Celtic of all time. I do not think Paul Pierce is the greatest Celtic of all time. Now, Bird is a great argument. I could have easily taken Larry Bird and probably could have, maybe should have. But people are like, I'm choosing Pierce as the greatest. It's not who's your greatest Celtic team of all time. It's a fantasy team. So I'm putting up numbers. So my team is Pierce, Jason Tatum, Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Johnson, and Perk as my starting five. So that's it's not those aren't the greatest Celtics as I told Charnacy. If we're doing greatest teams, I should have just said, okay, Bob, I'm taking a 65 team, whoever the hell, because they they're they're they won five in a row. Like let's take the 65 team and match them up against the 86 team, the 08 team, the 74 team, and the 76 team. If that's what we're doing, but we're not. It's a fantasy draft. So I wish people would stop saying that I think Pierce is a better player than Bill Russell. Fantasy-wise, yes, you would choose Peyton Manning over Brady because Peyton puts up more numbers. Brady's a better winner. I understand what you're trying to say, but the idea is to win. I thought I approached this uh, myself on the idea. uh, We're having a tournament. We're putting together. I want the team. I'm I'm trying to win. Yeah. This is two different things, though. You guys are are talking two different things, right? We are, obviously. We approached it two different ways. He's talking about fantasy. He's talking about fantasy basketball, where Bob Ryan's talking about guys, five guys that that would win on the court, right? That's the difference here is I don't think it was clear when Adam put – maybe it was. That's the way I understood it. You're trying to win. Yeah, Yeah, well, I'm trying to win, but I'm not – and I'm not saying that Russell wouldn't help you win, but I'm putting up (laughs) – the, the second all-time score. Like, Bob, I have a question. What if I had taken Havlicek first? What would have been the reaction? It, it, would have been, it wouldn't have been as overwhelmingly negative ah, as, as Pierce. But I think, most, I think 99% why? of the people – Well, wait a minute. Let me tell you, I think 99% of people would have taken either Russell or Bird. Yes. Period. And then fall in line. Why? Because Havlicek I, – I saw them both. I, I, they're – you know, I John Havlicek's better than Paul Pierce, in my opinion. Period. And I'm I, I, agree. Question, I agree with that. Paul Pierce, by the way, uh, the, the Celtic Rushmore is in terms of historical presence and, and and achievement is so clear. There's no argument. Shouldn't be any argument that it's Russell, Kuzi, Bird, and Havlicek. The, the question then, who's the next guy up? And I've had this discussion. It's either Pierce or it's McHale. And and that's how much I think of Pierce. That's a hell of a compliment. But he's not. But so to answer your question, I, I don't think you would have been crucified as much by taking John Havlicek as taking Paul Pierce. By the way, I agree with you. And you said something. You hit on something that has been one of my great uh, arguments for Pierce in general terms. There are two guys in our time, our, our recent times, Garrett, that I think would have been equally at home in the fifties and the two thousands. Those two guys are Paul Pierce and Manu Ginobili. They each have old guy games with three point capability. And they would have been perfectly at home in 1955 or 1960 as much as they are in 2020. You're absolutely correct 100% in your evaluation of, of, of Pierce's unique, uh, you know, skill set and, and, and approach to the game. Totally agree. I, I, I think, and, and I said this before, Jason Tatum played a game. I, I think he will be better than Pierce. I think he will eventually uh, have a chance to be on that Mount Rushmore that you announced of, of Celtics players, Bob. I really do. Well, uh, but all right, you know, 
But I know. I know it's early. I get it's early. All I'm saying is it was, it was, this thing was, it was fun. But yeah, you did shock. You did shock us. And there's arguments against me. I'm not, I'm not denying any arguments, but as I told Shaughnessy, it was like I took John Bagley first. Let's get <laughs> <laughs> like I took I took the the franchise's second all-time leading scorer, and I'm getting you don't know basketball. Like I'm sorry, and if I had taken the first one, right. I would have been just as crucified. So I get it. Russell is a transcendent figure in not in American culture, not only sports, just. Yes, if it's a human rights, if it's a championships, we're going fantasy basketball. We're putting my team against your team. I took more contemporary players. So no offense, I'll take my chances if J- if Tom Heinsohn has to guard Jason Tatum. I'll I'll be I think I'll be okay. The oldest guy I took was Silas because Silas can rebound. And Charlie Scott, no one talked about Charlie Scott. Great player. Where will Heisen drops a 15-foot corner hook on Tatum? His mouth will fall open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the fun about all this. We, um, you know, and by the way, when you took Silas, I was really pissed because I wanted, I, I felt I was going to be able to sneak Silas on, on my oh, team. Can't get the but you, Bob Ryan. Wait, can we go through Bob Ryan's picks here? Can we, let, let, let's go through quickly, and then, and then I, I want to okay, change my subjects. Pick, but. I, I picked yep. fifth and last, but I got to pick fifth and sixth. That's the way that that that, that did. I get I get the last pick of the each round and the first yeah. pick of the next round. Go ahead. Who'd you uh, take? I, I I uh off the table in a hat uh, yep. uh, Pierce uh, uh, uh Russell Bird and, and Havlicek. Um yep. I needed a center. I want to start with a I I'm still old fashioned, I still want to start with a five man. And um it was it was either Cowens or Parrish, and and I really really agonized over this because as much as I'm emotionally attached to Dave Cowens, I know how good Robert Parrish is, and it's been, I've been reminded of it watching some of the old games that we've gotten to see over the last couple of years and how good Robert Parrish was. Uh, I got to admit, it's half of a heart and half of a head thing, and I took Cowens. Uh, then I got the pick next. Oh boy, did I get eagerly scoop up McHale? That was no brainer to me. And so my first two picks were them. Uh, my I, I needed to so play no Kuzi. Yeah, no Kuzi. I took I took Tiny Archibald. Then I got Sam Jones, and I don't have to defend that at all. And then I I got Jalen Jalen Brown, who uh, I really like. I said more mid-sized versatility, superb defender, ever-improving scorer. Most of all, he brings an edge, an element of danger. Of course, that's more true of Marcus Smart, who I would have loved to have scooped up too. I said you can pair him with anybody, Brown. Uh, then I got Don Nelson, who shoots 54% from the floor, leads the league in field goal percentage at age 34, with 90% of those baskets going on 15 to 17 footers. Don Nelson, that's who. Wiley, with every trick in the book, nobody quite like him. Then I got Danny as the perfect third guard, and he was. And then I had Dino Raja. I looked at, I needed another big guy. Dino Raja. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Hey, he's a Hall of Famer. And he's Dick an international Hall of Famer. Yes, he was a versatile guy. inside outside. And uh, that was my team. And so uh, I'm, I'll go to battle. I'll, I'll be very happy with my team. All right, listen, let, let's move on. Let's move on. The big question uh, I have for both of you guys is um, who turned Dwight Howard in, in in the hotline down in Orlando? <laughs> Your best guess. If you guys have to guess on one person who turned Dwight Howard in for not wearing a mask, who would it be? I'm going Chris Paul. I'm going Chris Paul, and I'll give you my Chris Paul story after. I just don't trust Chris Paul. That's a good one. Um, wow. And Chris Paul would do everything to win. He will do anything and everything in his power to try to win a title because, uh, well, he hasn't won one yet. 
Wow. Who do you guys got? Come on. You got to have somebody here. I don't have any idea. Nothing? I'm just, Come on. I'll, 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 I'll give you some time. I'll tell you guys my Chris Paul story. Yeah, sure. Mike Dean Tone. It might be somebody from the Rockets. Somebody who, like, uh, that Dwight, you know, screwed over or it didn't work out in one of his previous stops. Someone from the There's a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those over the years. Yeah. The yeah. White's on a lot of hit lists. Um, yes. you know, it could be someone from the Magic, someone who just doesn't, you know, someone someone who just doesn't like Dwight. And, uh, yeah, might have dimed him out on not wearing a mask. Dwight, come on, Dwight, wear a mask. My, my quick Chris Paul story, I'll, I'll tell it very, very quickly. I'm down in, in uh, Vegas. Uh, Chris Paul is running his uh, – whatever he runs an AAU event there every year in Vegas with, like, Carmelo coaching a team from, from D.C. Chris Paul coaches his team. It's like, you know, Victor Oladipo coaches team takeover, all those things. So it was, um, it was uh, the year with Donald Sterling. And, and everything kind of blew up with Sterling that summer. And Doc Rivers had just said, I think publicly, that he wasn't sure if he would coach if Donald Sterling was still going to be the owner. So I went up to Chris Paul, you know, recorder in hand, asked him a bunch of questions, you know, some of which were about his involvement with his AAU program, but obviously the big ones were about Donald Sterling. Will you play? You know, will you play if Donald Sterling is still the owner? So uh, he answers them all. Uh, I send in the story to, to ESPN, obviously, with the lead being him saying, I'm not sure if I'll play if Donald Sterling's still the owner. And uh, an hour later, I get a call from Chris Paul, all upset that I wrote the story, saying, well, I thought it was going to be a story on, on, on my involvement in, in my AAU team. I said, well, with all due respect, Chris, uh, nobody cares about that. They want to hear about, you know, and I put that at the bottom, and I think it was cut by an editor, which – is justified because nobody cared. Uh, they just wanted to hear his thoughts on Donald Sterling. And he was all upset and, and wanted it taken down. I said, listen, Chris, you said it on the record. You knew it was going to be out there. Maybe you didn't know it would be the lead, but you knew those comments were going to be out there. And uh, we haven't really talked since. And uh, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter to me at all. But come on, man. You, you, you know you're talking with a tape recorder in front of you. You know that's going to get some play. At the end of the day, you've been in this game long enough. You're not a rookie, right? You've been interviewed long enough, and you're a smart dude. So that's my Chris Paul story. Okay, okay. So what I do we have, got? I'm, Anything? I'm not position any snitches? Any, any suspects? No, no snitches. Nothing. Yeah, I. I'm trying to think of who it would be. Who, who Dwight's really? You know, again, I don't, I don't know exactly who it's going to be. What about? Hey, what about Drew Holiday, guys? I, I thought. Um, what an unbelievable thing that, that he and his wife, Lauren, have set up uh, a fund, a social justice fund in their names uh, that could end up donating as much as $5.3 million of his paycheck the rest of the, the way here. Man, I, I have so much respect for, for Drew and everything he's done, obviously, for his wife a couple of years ago, missing uh, part of the season. And now this. Talk about a guy who gets it, who doesn't get enough credit. It, it, it's Drew Holiday, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the fact that he plays in New Orleans or doesn't get, you know, he, his game isn't discussed enough. He's always been an overshadowed kind of guy, you know, uh, didn't get appreciated enough when he was in Philadelphia, was at UCLA for a hot minute, literally a, a quick season. Um, and, and we really didn't get a chance to see 
the greatness of, of him. And then he developed – he's developed slowly into a very, very top-notch defensive guard uh, and uh, better, better – good offensive player, too. And the fact that he's doing this – a story with his wife is, is very touching. Um, yeah. The sacrifice he made for her and the sacrifice she went through uh, physically. Um, and now this. So, yeah, I think that we uh, – put all these guys in a box and think that they're all about Instagram and, and running the streets and hanging out or playing video games. These guys don't rap anymore, but do, and there's a lot of players who do get it. And a lot of them don't like to like to be talked about in that way and want to promote it as um but it's definitely good to see him set an example for others who might want to give their salaries to this effort. If they want to get across, uh, that's the sacrifice sometimes you have to make. All right, so Gary, what, what, what is next for you now? You're in the quarantine. You're in this hotel room. What, what are the next steps? What is the uh, media availability, accessibility for you? Do you know what you can do, what, what you can't do going forward? We get out. Uh, the rest of the reporters are in the bubble get out on Monday and then we can cover practice, um, mostly Zoom calls, uh, but we'll be able to have access, not one-on-ones or that type of thing, but it will be more, uh, we can be present at the games, obviously. Um, we can be in the media room when they do press conferences, ask questions, but the, 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 the one-on-one thing that's not prearranged, the, you know, some of the stuff that we are used to doing, uh, no, obviously, no locker room access. That's not going to happen. But we'll be able to have more access to them, uh, much more access inside the bubble. Um, so we'll be, next is after this is practice practices uh, where we'll be socially distanced if, if we're, you know, if, during the availability. Now a lot of teams uh, are doing Zoom availability at practices, but we'll be able to be there um, at, at certain uh, areas in person. Uh, and you know, go from there. So, and, and I think we're all still trying to figure out how this thing's going to go when games start. Um, we have two weeks now, uh, I think, from the night uh, when the when the Lakers and Clippers kick this thing off. Um, so we'll be able to attend games. We'll be close, you know, uh, socially distanced, um, wearing our masks as, as we watch games. Um, allowed into the media room to ask questions during press conferences. But as, as I said before, Jeff, the locker room, no more of that. Um, and, and, and the guys, the players won't take, they won't take showers at the arena. Um, they'll come to the arena. I think they can, I think they've just been allowed to dress at the arena, but no showers. Like they get the heck on the back on the bus and everything is done at the hotel. So uh, the locker room dynamic entirely changes. So that means you won't have to wait an hour plus for uh, for Jason Tatum. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a good thing uh, for Deadline <laughs> and for, for those old newspaper guys uh, not to, yeah, be able to wait for guys. To, to Is Tatum the worst? Huh? Who's who's the worst current guy in terms of coming out? I, I know Kyrie was brutal uh, Kimba, uh, when he was here. Neither of them are that bad, you know. But Kimba and Tatum take take their time. Um, but yeah, there no one compares to Kevin Garnett and and and, and Kyrie at times. Uh, Garnett was a was an all timer, um, but no one compares to that. But yeah, Kimba and Tatum usually take the longest. But 
they're doing usually doing post game stuff. They got time to look at their they got to look at their phones. They want to be completely they're chill. They're, you know. they're both chill, Gary. That's the the one constant with Kemba and Tatum. They're both super chill. They're actually two of the best people I've ever met doing this. Other guys um, do it on purpose sometimes. I would say there's there's a lot of stars in the game that make us wait because uh, they want to because they feel that they can. I don't think that's that's Tatum or Kemba. I think they yeah. just move at their own pace and like you said, they're looking at their phones and uh, going you know going uh, the rate they want to go. So how, how how concerned like was this? a decision for you because you may be down there for three months if the Celtics go till the end. How hard a decision was this for you? Or, or was it easy? Hey, this is my job. I got to get paid. Uh, I can't say no to something like this. Uh, I'm going. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't an easy decision, but I think that this the uniqueness of this situation. This is something we'll never do again. Um, this is not, not going to happen at all. I don't see a bubble next year. Uh, they're, they're going to play at arenas with probably maybe no fans, but the uniqueness of the situation, the opportunity uh, to come here and represent the globe, uh, to be in this, to see what happens here. I think there's just such a, a fascination with what's going to go on down here and what's still going, what's going on down here early, the, the quarantining. I think that there's definitely, it was definitely an opportunity that I felt like I had to take. By the way, Gary, I'm, I'm going to, speak to Matt Pepin about getting you a bodyguard just in case, you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you joining us from the bubble, Gary. We do. Uh, we're, we're upset that we uh, uh, spoiled your, interrupted your movie uh, of, of, of the morning, whatever that one was. I know you're right in the middle. On now, so I'm going I'm to jump to Independence Day. But yeah. After, after Glory Road this morning. So, yeah. <laughs> Good, good listen, stuff. Listen, be, be safe. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm a happy man. Yeah, listen, and once you get out of quarantine, at least you can – it'll be interesting to see if, if you have some of the same wherewithal that the players do to hang out with other media. Can you yeah. do – I assume you can do all that, right? Yeah, I mean, there's places to, to go out and run around this area. I think you can golf. So, yeah, I think we can't hang with the players. That's not going to happen. But the other media, yeah, I think there will be some – Definite opportunities to hang out, you know, social distance. Go take some money. Go go golf and take some money from Mark Stein, okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will. I'll do that. <laughs> Tell him I said so, all right? Take some money from Stein. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a shitty golfer, okay? So take some money from Stein. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks, Gary. And uh, be safe. Be safe Thanks down there. Guys. Take care.